The lush, verdant jungles of southern Mexico are notoriously dense and impenetrable. If nature is left to take its course, the over- and undergrowth will cover everything in its path, hiding it from view. As such, a number of ancient Mayan settlements were reclaimed by the jungle before being rediscovered centuries later by archaeologists and the common people alike. Chichen Itza, in the Mexican state of Yucatan, was one such place. Following its abandonment in the 15th century, it was found over 400 years later in the 1850s, having been virtually consumed by tropical vegetation. Countless other Mayan ruins, sites, and artifacts have been unearthed in this warm, humid region as well, but perhaps none have been as impressive as what was discovered there in the 1950s. For years following the mysterious end of the Mayan civilization, rumors have been circulating about one of its most legendary kings, or Ahas in the Mayan language. Known as Ki'ini Chanab Pakal, or simply Pakal the Great, he ruled over the fabled city-state of Palenque between AD 615 until his death in AD 683. For years, the whereabouts of his tomb was the subject of much debate amongst historians and archaeologists alike. But then, in the early 1950s, a French-Cuban archaeologist named Alberto Rousselouillet, who had been conducting excavations in the Mexican state of Chiapas since the 1940s stumbled upon a curious monument. Removing a massive stone slab from atop a temple complex, he unearthed the great king's final resting place and was forever inscribed in the annals of archaeological discovery. When was the city of Palenque founded? Who was Pacal the Great? And aside from being its ruler, how are the two forever inextricably linked? I'm Chester Sakamoto, your host, and welcome back to the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. What we know today as Palenque began life as La Cama, which, in the ancient Mayan language, literally means big water, a reference to its proximity to the Usumacinta River. The oldest structures at the site date back to roughly 226 BC, and the latest to around AD 799. What separates Palenque from other Mayan sites in Mexico and other parts of Central America is its preservation. It's the only ancient Mayan city with a considerable amount of nearly intact architecture, art, sculpture, and most importantly, a complex writing system of hieroglyphs and inscriptions, which offer tantalizing clues into the settlement's life, government, and culture. Before delving further into the history of Palenque and what made it great, perhaps we should begin by taking an in-depth look at the civilization who built it. Though other cultures predated and existed alongside them, the Maya, or Mayans, were one of the most highly influential and advanced of the pre-Columbian Mesoamerican civilizations. They were also one of the longest-lasting, their 3,000-year history divided into three distinct periods, Pre-Classic, 2000 BC to AD 250, Classic, AD 250 to 900, and Post-Classic, 900 to 1519. As proven by the archaeological sites that have since been unearthed, the Mayans built sophisticated cities with roads, pyramid-like temples, and other impressive structures. Not only that, but they were also skilled in astronomy, able to chart the movements of planets and the stars, as well as mathematics. They were among the first peoples on Earth to create the concept of zero. They even devised an extremely accurate calendar system that's comparable to the Gregorian calendar we use today. For centuries, this advanced culture thrived. But then, in the blink of an eye, it all came crashing down, with its people simply upping and abandoning their cities to seek shelter and refuge in the surrounding jungle. What led to this society's abrupt end? The truth of the matter is that we don't really know. To this day, historians remain divided as to the exact cause of the decline and fall of the Mayans. Warfare? Overpopulation, environmental disasters, and drought are just some of the theories that have circulated throughout the years, with some even going as far as to say that it was a mixture of all these that led to the swift end of this complex civilization. But what is clear are the magnificent cities and monuments they left behind. 
Of these, the best preserved is easily Palenque, with archaeologists, historians, and tourists alike often returning to it to discover its mysteries. Dating at the site shows that the earliest structures date back to the 3rd century BC, in the late pre-classic period. However, based upon what we've been able to decipher so far, the earliest records at this time date back to the AD 5th century, when a king, or Aha, known as K'uk Balam, Quetzal Jaguar, ruled the city. He governed for four years, from 431 until he was succeeded by Casper, after the friendly ghost, whose name in the hieroglyphs has not yet been translated. But some nine kings and queens would be crowned and pass away before arguably the greatest and most important for the city ascended to the throne nearly two centuries later, in 615, K'inich Hanab Pakal, also known as Pakal the Great. The son of a Mayan nobleman named K'an Mohiks and the queen of Palenque herself, Sak'uk, Pakal would be crowned king at the tender age of twelve, completely unaware of the greatness that awaited him. While Palenque had slowly grown and developed out of a sleepy backwater in the jungles of southern Mexico for nearly 800 years at that point, it wasn't until Pakal's rule that the city would become a thriving cosmopolitan center of trade, commerce, and culture. By the late classic period, the city, then ruled by Queen Yol Iknal, whose reign lasted from 583 to 604, had fallen into decline, due in large part to a series of battles and skirmishes with the nearby Mayan settlement of Calakmul. In 611, after years of fighting, Palenque successfully fell to the Calakmul Mayans, and their king temporarily assumed control of the settlement. His rule, however, was mired by several attempts to drive him out, ushering in a period of political instability that left the city in chaos. It was this situation that Bacal the Great inherited, though he would be the one to prove its undoing. Based upon hieroglyphs at the Temple of Inscriptions, the largest temple complex at the Palenque site, Bacal ruled the city for 68 years, the fifth longest reign of any monarch in world history, and in that time greatly expanded it, ushering in an era of prosperity it had never seen or known before. Most of the remaining structures at Palenque were built under his rule. The palace, one of the city's main buildings, which had been constructed several years prior, was remodeled and built over between 654 and 668, with a three-story observation tower added that still stands today. Writing within the palace tells how Pakal united Palenque with Tikal, another Mayan city-state in present-day Guatemala, as well as nearby Yaxchilan, who, together, were able to vanquish each of their enemies. His mother, the former queen Sakuk, was an important political force for the first quarter century of his reign, and may even have ruled with him at that time. In 624, Pakal took a wife when he married Princess Tsakbu of Oktan, a neighboring Mayan city-state, and the two went on to have three children, two of whom would succeed him. In 683, after 68 years on the throne, Pakal the Great died. His successor, his son, K'inich Khan Alam's first order of business was to commission a grand tomb to commemorate his father's legacy. Interred within the Temple of Inscriptions, the tomb was replete with the largest collection of jade ever found in any Mayan burial site. Pakal's body was adorned entirely with jade, a suit of which each piece was delicately hand-carved and fastened together with gold wire. A matching jade death mask was placed on his face, along with several pieces of jewelry around his neck, wrists, and fingers. The mask and funerary jewelry can now be seen in the Anthropological Museum of Mexico City. The sarcophagus itself was stone, whose lid was intricately carved depicting the king himself ascending to the land of the dead. It's a classic and has gone on to become one of the most iconic examples of Mayan art. In addition to this great and moving tribute to a beloved king, his legacy of prosperity lived on through his descendants, beginning with the aforementioned K'inich Kanb Alam, his son and heir to the throne, who continued to plan and carry out a number of ambitious civic projects that would secure Palenque's greatness for future generations. Under his eye, the Group of the Crosses rose, a massive temple complex comprised of the Temple of the Sun, the Temple of the Foliated Cross, and the Temple of the Cross, the last of which was the largest and most significant. The cross, in this instance, was a reference to the world 
tree, known as the Seba, a concept in the Mayan religion in which the three levels of earth, the underworld, its roots, the earth, the trunk, and the heavens, its branches, were all connected. Following his rule, his brother, Kinich Kaan Hoi Chitam II, ascended to the throne and continued expanding the city with the same enthusiasm as his predecessor. It was because of these three kings that Palenque enjoyed nearly a century of prosperity, making it the largest and richest city-state in the entire Mayan civilization. But, as with all things, it wasn't to last. In 711, the settlement was invaded yet again by another city-state, Donina, and the king, Inich Kaan Hoi Chitam, was taken prisoner. While his fate isn't known, it's likely that he was executed. For over a decade, the city had no king, until one Inich Akal Monab III was crowned in 722. Though of royal blood, there's no record that he was the inheritor of Chitam's throne. Inich Akal Monab's descendants, his son and grandson, would succeed him in rule throughout the 8th century until 799, when, for unknown reasons, the city was abandoned. As previously stated, there's no concrete reason as to why Palenque was abandoned. Instead, historians have brought a number of factors up for consideration, including overpopulation, environmental disasters, and naturally warfare. Of these, it would appear to yours truly that warfare played a huge part in the city's abandonment. After all, in its final years, it had come under attack by the neighboring city-state of Tonina, which likely weakened the government as a result. What is known, however, is that a population of farmers and agriculturalists continued to live there for a few generations before leaving it altogether for proverbial greener pastures, if you'll pardon the pun. As such, it was left to the mercy of the surrounding jungle, which grew over it until it was partially rediscovered in the 16th century. In 1567, a Spanish monk named Pedro Lorenzo de la Nada was exploring the regions around the Usumacinta River near present-day Chiapas when he happened upon the ruins of an ancient city buried by dense jungle overgrowth. It was he to whom we attribute the site's name, Palenque meaning fortification in Spanish. Though de la Nada's account was widely circulated in both New Spain, present-day Mexico, and Spain herself, no one paid it any heed until the late 18th century, when, in 1773, Juan Don Ramón de Ordóñez y Aguilar studied the ruins himself. Penning a report to the Capitan General in Antigua, Guatemala, another examination was made in 1784, at which time the ruins were noted for their interest and importance. Two years later, an expedition was mounted under the leadership of Captain Antonio de Rio, in which a small military outfit, as well as a surveyor and draftsman named Antonio Bernasconi, smashed through several walls to see what could be found, doing severe damage in the process. The expedition, however, proved significant and fruitful, in that the first map and illustrations of the site were revealed to the world, many of which will be published in 1822 in a book titled Descriptions of the Ruins of an Ancient City, Discovered near Palenque. This book would inspire countless other expeditions throughout the 19th century by by archaeologists and adventurers from such disparate countries as France, Britain, and the United States, and would provide even more written and illustrated material than ever before. But it wasn't until 1923 that the first attempts at preserving the site were made when Danish-born archaeologist Franz Blom, who was also professor of archaeology at Tulane University at the time, drew up a new and more detailed map of Palenque, including previously overlooked ruins. Filing a report with the Mexican government, he made several recommendations on work that could be done to preserve the city. Then, in 1952, the aforementioned French-Cuban archaeologist Alberto Rus Luyer hit the jackpot when he uncovered the tomb of Pacal the Great, the first person to have seen it in over a thousand years. Louis had been leading excavations at the site for four years prior to his discovery of the tomb, and it was considered one of the greatest discoveries of the time. 
Finally, in 1973, the Mexican government held the first Palenque Mesa Redonda roundtable at the suggestion of American artist Merle Green Robertson, in which scholars and archaeologists would visit the site every few years to study new findings. In the first few field expeditions, Robertson herself conducted close examinations of all art at the site, including traces of pigment on carvings and sculpture. Fast forward to the present day. Archaeologists believe that they've only uncovered 5% of the actual city, which means that a whopping 95% is yet to be revealed. Who knows what other fantastic discoveries await hidden beneath the lush jungle overgrowth. Palenque has more than earned its reputation as the greatest Mayan city of them all. Not only is it the best preserved, but its architecture and inscriptions reveal to us a city at the height of its grandeur, glory, and power. And it was all thanks to one man and his descendants. Without Pakal's expert leadership and grand vision, perhaps the settlement would never have amounted to anything more than a remote outpost at the edge of the Mayan world. It's easy to see how the great king and the city-state over which he presided are inextricably linked to our present age, as, without one, there surely wouldn't be the other. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed learning about this most beautiful and fascinating Mayan city. A listener recently brought up a very good question, one which I will touch upon in a future episode, but in the meantime, I'm definitely curious to know. What do you think happened to the Mayan civilization? What caused its downfall, and why did they abandon their great cities? Give me a follow on Instagram at history underscore loves underscore company. Again, that's history underscore loves underscore company, and send me an answer in the DMs or leave it as a comment on my most recent post. If you like what you've heard here today, please consider becoming a monthly supporter. Just go to anchor.fm slash historylovescompany and click the support button, which will direct you to a series of three monthly support plans that fit any budget. Listening, liking, and sharing help me as well, so please take a moment to do so. Next week, I'll be covering a topic of titanic proportions, so be sure to tune in next Thursday and every Thursday for a brand new episode of the History Loves Company podcast, because history is shaped by all of us. This is Chester Sakamoto signing off. See you next time.